The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. And he sent me back a couple of messages. The messages are... Uh, his interest in how the audience is doing, you know, uh, I'm slightly offended that he wouldn't ask me how I'm doing, but, uh, no, I'm joking, of course, but he is, uh, hoping that, um, to get back in the saddle again, uh, after, uh, this two week period of me sitting in for him and getting back in the saddle and, and taking your calls. But until then, I'll be taking your calls with questions here at the toll free eight seven seven. And uh, CARM.org is our website. Uh, Matt's done a monumental job in building it over the years. And I think you'll find some uh, rich and valuable resources if you go to CARM.org. And take advantage of what he's uh, put out there for uh, all of us in the body of Christ to uh, look at, to criticize, to evaluate our biblical position and to uh, it bring uh, bring your suggested adjustments to him if you find him a little bit wobbly on a point or so. There's thousands of articles to choose from. And in my case, I like to look through them kind of critically. And sometimes I find out I might need to adjust my way of looking at things when he brings in the array of scriptures that are attended to a certain topic. And that's always... Uh, something uh, I didn't at first enjoy having to adjust my position on things because I'm a rather stubborn person and prideful. But uh, when it comes to standing before the Word of God, I've got to shed those uh, carnal feelings and go ahead and adjust myself to God's Word and God's view uh, of His Word. And uh, so I try to do that the best I can with this help. And we do have someone on the line already, uh, Busman. From Ohio, let me put you on. And hi, Buxman, how are you? This is Charlie Spine. You there? Good evening, Charlie. It's wonderful to hear your voice. Uh, yes, all my best to uh, Brother Matt Slick. I call his radio program quite often, Charlie. Uh, I've been following Matt Slick's work, gosh, for for when I was in ministry, sir, back in two thousand and five. And I remember coming across CARM.org, and Matt really helped me with some Mormons um, that I wanted more information because I didn't understand uh, uh, the Latter-day Saints. So Matt Slick has been a great resource for all these years. And then when I found that he had a radio program, Charlie, I was just ecstatic. And so oh, they so have a radio station that, that's hosting it. It's awesome. Yes. Yes, the tr- the Truth Network has been uh, been very uh, very kind and gracious uh, in airing the Matt's show, and uh, we appreciate them immensely. You wouldn't believe how helpful they've been. But um, yeah, do you, yeah. Uh, and as far Thanks as Mormons, 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 Mormons go, that's, that's, that's how that's how Matt and I started uh, cutting our teeth, so to speak, 
in uh, cult apologetics. And uh, so yeah. we've got a great deal of information that's built up on the uh, CARM website, which I invite people to uh, go to if they're uh, if they have friends or family members or they've got Mormons knocking at their door. That's an entire mission field that's uh, right on your doorstep. You don't even have to go anywhere uh, to engage in that mission field, now, that and the Jehovah's Witnesses who also come to your door. So. I'm glad you find it valuable. Do you have a Do you have a specific question today? I do, Charlie. Um, the Asbury experience that's taking place in um, Kentucky right now, Charlie. I would like your take on it, and then I have a follow up as well. Well, I haven't followed it as closely as probably I should, since there's been several several questions in the past few days about it. But from what I have uh, seen as I, as I um, dip my toe in that pool of water is that it uh, dis- can be disturbing to see some of the people who have tried to insert themselves into that movement. If it is indeed a genuine revival, um, I'm always uh, cautious when people try to uh, impose themselves in something like that. Uh, no doubt there are people, uh, when the Spirit of God is at work, uh, it's uh, going to cause a revival. It's going to cause them a, 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 a necessary uh, feeling of conviction and the need to be right before God. And this is the, the, the goal of, of revival, in my view. It's God's goal in revival is to get people more serious about who they are and the condition they're in, and when they realize that, they uh, seek him ever so much more uh, to take advantage of the work he's done to correct our sinful position and bring us closer in relationship with him. My concern is some of the people that have interposed themselves into that, if it's a a genuine movement indeed. Um, So we we just got to be discerning about that and your evaluation of it with your Bible open would be ever so uh, legitimate as mine. But at this point, um, I don't see any reason to doubt there is a movement of God going on in a revival fashion. But for the other reasons, I'm uh, careful. Awesome answer, Charlie. Yeah, it's actually amazing that you said open up your Bible. Um, I'm looking at Joel chapter 1. And I'm starting in verse 13. It says, Put on sackcloth and remit, O priests, all uh, wall, O ministers of the altar. And I could go on. I live very close, Charlie, to another major uh, Christian college. Uh, I grew up just down the road from it. It's called Cedarville University. And the great uh, Dr. David Jeremiah's father was the chancellor at this school uh, many years ago. And Dr. David Jeremiah, uh, I believe, is a Cedarville graduate. Well, that's just a stone's throw away from where Buskman lives. And I got a word, Charlie, that there was a similar, what I call an experience, happening at this school as is happening at Asbury. So... Your Berean brother, Charlie, drove out there with another witness, a dear friend and brother of ours named Mark, 
who is very scholar, not just in the uh, the sixty six books, but pretty much all things Christianity. And with him, Charlie, he had an original copy of the book that documented the nineteen seventies. It happened in nineteen seventy in Asbury as well. That revival. So he had the actual book from the 70s that he bought during that revival. He had that with him. So we have the 66 book plus the original experience that happened in 1970 with us. And when we drove to the uh, to the school, Charlie, it was pretty benign. Um, it's in a very rural part of Ohio, the college is. And when we pulled up, we didn't see a whole lot of you know, what we were expecting, I guess, with people on the ground. And it was about 6 p.m., Charlie. And to make the long story short, in case you have other callers, we was able to talk to three students of Cedarville University. One senior and two freshmen. So I focused my attention on the senior, you know, as since, as a Berean, Acts 17, I wanted to check via scripture and via our original book from the 1970s experience to see if it was compatible, if they were congruent, at least. So I interviewed all three of these young men. And the one I focused on, his name was Stephen, and he was the senior. And I said, Stephen, if Jesus was sitting in the midst of us right now, would you lie to me? And he says, absolutely not, Buskman. And I said, I would love to interview you. He says, absolutely. I, I asked him for his take. I said, what's going on? He said, yes, sir, it is real. Um, faculty and students are breaking out spontaneously in worship and in contrition. But here's what was very interesting for all of Matt Slick's listeners that happens that happened right here in Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And it started on February the 13th, by the way, approximately 1 p.m. And that was corroborated right. by another student who I had called. And he said, evangelism, sir, has just gone off the charts. One of the freshmen types in of the three and says, sir, we just got a bus back from Ohio State University where our students went to Ohio State University and evangelized the students at Ohio State. I said, what about Wilberforce College and Central State? Because those two colleges, Charlie, are even more local than, than OSU. OSU is in Columbus. And they said, yes, there has been... Uh, factions of Cedarville kids going to minister to the Central State kids and the Wilberforce kids. So if well, that's what God's exactly doing here in Ohio is is evangelism. Yes, that's fascinating to know because that's consistent with a fruit uh, that would follow from the intervention of God in any situation. My only caution is, is as much as I enjoy. Uh, uh, thinking that this is uh, genuine, I always have to weigh experience and uh, uh, emotional uh, responses uh, with Scripture, because uh, that's hard to, um, to uh, authenticate. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, 
but to to, to uh, have reported that there is fruits of evangelism going forth and stuff like that encourages me, uh, and I hope that those things can continue in spite of some of the other people that are trying to take advantage of the exposure they would get by associating with the move of God. Um, that's great. Yes. That, that's a good report. What, what, what comes to my mind, Brother Charlie, was this. Is it copycat that's going on in Asbury or a real authentic roar of the Lion of Judah? And that's why I had to go and investigate it. And God brought us randomly, I don't think so, Charlie, randomly to a yeah. senior and two freshmen. So I focused on the senior because... Obviously, the senior has been there for four years. So I compared his freshman year, Charlie, to his now senior year. I said, Stephen, have you seen anything like this in all of your time at Cedarville University? He says, no, sir. Well, that's, that's uh, encouraging for me to hear, and, and I hope that uh, it isn't watered down by some of the people that I warned about because we need a movement of the Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit in our... I'll our tell you, Charlie, this young man looked me right in the okay, eyes, and once again, I, I yeah. predicated it on, yeah. hey, if Jesus Christ was yeah. with us right now, son, okay. would you lie to me? And he said, yeah. no, sir. Good, 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 good. All right, well, we have a break coming up, and uh, thank you for that report. You are welcome. God bless Matt Flick, and God bless you, Charlie, and glad, God bless uh, Truth Network. Thank you for all you're doing, Stu Emerson. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Yeah, we, we, appreciate, we appreciate people like Buxman who call in and give us good reports like that. And uh, uh, after this break, we'll have uh, more calls today. Stay tuned, and we'll talk to you then. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi, this is uh, Charlie Spine sitting in for Matt Slick on Matt Slick Live. Welcome back. Uh, today's Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Uh, we welcome your calls toll-free at 877-207-2276. Uh, I also want to advise uh, our listeners and our participants on the Internet that uh, we're transitioning much of our content to Rumble. Uh, and you can find us uh, on Rumble. And we found Rumble to be more friendly to open discussion. And uh, they don't seem to be playing mischief with uh, uh, opinions, whether you or I like them or not. They allow uh, uh, everybody a pretty much free range to compare notes and to talk and dialogue, which is uh, always attractive. Uh, in fact, in dialogues with people, uh, people from two different parties might come together and hammer out a subject. And after hammering it out with each other, they might come out with a, a point of view that's sharper and more precise than either party entered uh, with into that discussion, so we we, enc- we encourage that kind of stuff. Of course, we also op- uh, invite you to open your Bible on the biblical topics and compare everything that you uh, evaluate according to the Word of God. Uh, we also um, have uh, uh, schools 
available through CARM that will help you to learn about the Christian faith and better how to defend it. Uh, and you can see uh, three of those CARM schools online, the CARM online schools, the School of Theology, the School of Apologetics, and the School of Critical Thinking. You can go online to those schools at carm.org slash schools, and it'll come up and give you a introduction to those schools. And, of course, supporting CARM is something we encourage uh, if you are predisposed to supporting Christian ministries. We'd like to be amongst those that uh, feed you good information from Scripture. And uh, if you go to the carm.org slash donate, you'll find several different ways that you can take advantage of uh, blessing us uh, as we try to bless you through the Word of God and His uh, sound doctrine as, as found in the Bible. So uh, I'm going to go back to a question we have waiting here, and we're going to talk to Alex from Wisconsin. Hi, Alex. How can I help you? Hi, Charlie. Thank you for Alex. taking my call. Sure. I have a question about eschatology. I'm yes. sorry, I keep and hearing times. myself uh, in an echo. Oh, I hope you don't have your radio turned up. I'll just... I'll just go ahead and ask ahead. it. Um, sure. I'm a pastor in rural Wisconsin. I've been studying eschatology for some time now and am slowly developing a biblical understanding of the timing of the rapture. Right. There's what a pressure in this area. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a pressure in the area to um, hold to the pre-tribulational rapture, um, along with dispensational theology, and I did not um, really understand what that perspective was, so I was starting to dig in, and looking at, okay, the echo went away, can you still hear me? Uh, I can hear you, go ahead. Oh, great, now, now it's not echoing. Okay, so I've been reading First and Second Thessalonians um, because there's so much on the timing of the rapture in these two books, and I was wondering if you would be willing to respond to a few observations I've made through these verses, and I'd like to get your perspective. Well, it would be better if you have a question, because so, uh, normally speaking, uh, uh, the, the topic of the rapture, there's become a very popular view of it, which doesn't necessarily make it an accurate view of it. Uh, some of the pre-tribulation -tri -tri -pre rapture views I found to be absent good biblical grounding, whereas I find other views uh, more grounded in Scripture, uh, specifically speaking to an article that's on CARM. Is it the wicked or the good that are taken first at Christ's return? Uh, and that particular article goes through more than just Thessalonians, but it goes into other scriptures that demonstrate that when the reapers go out uh, to uh, reap at, in the end times, the reapers reap the tares first and take them away, and leaves uh, the, the believers 
lest uh, we try to do it ourselves and tear up believers with the with the uh, tares. They harvest the tares and take them away to a place of judgment. In fact, the disciples asked Jesus, "Well, where do they go?" And he says, "Well, well where they go to a place of, of death is what he pretty much says. Where the eagles have gathered, um, there the bodies will be in conjunction with." I suggest that uh, particular topic, or that particular article on the topic, um, the, the view that the pre-tribulation rapture, of most of my friends that hold that position, they'll say, well, see, it says that God doesn't pour out his wrath on believers, okay? Uh, well, uh, God I... poured out his wrath greatly in the global flood and killed all but uh, eight who were survived in, in the ark. Uh, so, Wrath of God was poured out, yet those righteous few were preserved through that pouring out of his wrath. You'll see uh, a lot of uh, parallels, and in fact, the New Testament says, as it was in the days of Noah. So we see Noah uh, didn't escape the wrath of God, but was preserved through it with his family. So this is, this is an, an, an interesting comparison in the New Testament when it when it couples that event with the return of Christ. Uh, so I'm of the opinion... So I have okay, and it's one just my, specific it's just, um, question. Sure, go ahead. That would, that would help me. Um, so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, um, verse 3 and 4, Paul states that two things must happen before the day of the Lord, and in 1 Thessalonians 4, he describes the day of the Lord as including the rapture, you know, the coming of the Lord and our gathering together to him, our being caught up to meet him in the air. So he mm-hmm. says two things must happen before the day of the Lord, the falling away and the man of sin, the Antichrist's revelation, you know, the revealing of the man of lawlessness, the revealing of the man of sin must happen before the day of the Lord. So if the preacher rapture suggests that the Antichrist is not revealed until the midpoint of the of the seventieth week, then would that not contradict this verse here saying that the church would be present until like if the Antichrist is to be revealed before the day of the Lord and the inception of the day of the Lord is a rapture, then wouldn't it teach in this verse that the church will be present during the reign of the Antichrist? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it, and I think I'm going to hold on to you through the break that's coming up, and because it deserves an answer. And so hang on, and I'll bring you right back after these words. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi. Charlie Spine back again with Matt Flick Live. We've had some interesting callers today with some interesting questions. Uh, you can call in your question to uh, live, uh, excuse me, uh, toll free at 877-207-2276. And uh, let me bring back, uh, I believe it was Alex 
who had a question about end times. Let me find the button. And there we go. Hopefully I brought Alex back. You still with us, Alex? Yes, I am. Hello, Thanks. Alex. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, concerning the timing of the rapture. Um, I'm one. Uh, uh, let me give you my opinion. I would like to be wrong in my view that we're going to have a post-tribulation rapture. As far as those that look at pre-tribulation rapture, I, I, I hope they're right. I really do. Uh, then w- what you're talking about is um, the, the people that uh, are joined with him at his coming, and then later um, there's uh, another event that takes place. Well, see, there's only one second coming, and if he comes back and takes the saints back to heaven with him, and then during the tribulation, we have people who refuse the mark of the beast and and remain faithful to Christ or convert to Christ, uh, faith in Christ, and they may indeed lose their life for the sake of Christ. Uh, he comes back for them. What this, what the scenario that sets up is that Jesus comes back in a sense halfway, does a backflip with a half gainer, and then goes back to heaven with those saints, and then returns again for those who suffer through the tribulation. That view is is somewhat distorted and and requires too many gymnastics for me to um, to accept. Whereas also I find amongst my pre-tribulation friends, as, uh, as well-intentioned as they be, uh, they sometimes preach an overemphasis on the pre-tribulation rapture in saying, you better get right with God because you don't want to be left behind. Uh, and it's, also, it's almost a way of uh, frightening people into, uh, uh, into the faith, whereas I would rather look back and encourage people to come to the faith on the basis of what Jesus has already done, not what he's going to do in the future, because that's up for grabs, really. He doesn't make it crystal and precisely clear. What is clear is what he has done for us, and you place your faith in him, and whether it's pre, post, or mid-tribulation, you're going to be, you're going to be amongst uh, his, his uh, faithful. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on end, end times and eschatology, uh, I, but I am uh, assured that I have an accurate view of what he's done for us and that he's going to either preserve us through that wrath or somehow protect us from that wrath, according to uh, his liking. And I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there and be satisfied with that. But I don't. Uh, uh, I don't like to. Uh, I don't uh, uh, disrespect my pre-tribulation uh, rapture friends. Uh, they're ever so much as uh, entitled to their opinion as I am. But we're. We're both got to be gracious and uh, say that uh, you know the Lord uh, will will lead us as far as we're capable into uh, an attitude of appreciation, no matter which way. Does that make sense? Yeah, what you said uh, definitely Alex? makes sense. Um, could 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 you just help me with one? Trying to understand one Bible verse, if sure. If possible. So in the second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three and four, does that verse, those two verses, suggest that the church will endure 
the um, reign of the Antichrist because it says that the revelation of the man of sin must happen before the day of the Lord. Well, I mean, I can only go so far as what it's talking about is before the day of the Lord uh, commences that he's somehow going to be revealed. We're told in other places that he's going to sit in the holy place of God as though he were God. He's going to uh, require worship. He's going to require you take the mark of the beast. Okay, it says that that the the order will go out. Okay, you'll issue a command that his mark be taken. Now, just because he issues the command doesn't mean that every one of us on the face of the earth are going to face someone trying to enforce that command. Uh, I've had plenty of things I've commanded around my house that a lot of my family never heard about. So just because the command (laughs) goes out is... It, it, it shouldn't uh, be seen as something that is going to be universally uh, uh, experienced, although this man of sin is going to universally wish it was universally enforced, obviously. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. the details, to me, are still fuzzy in my view, and that's why I'm not going to be dogmatic on, on interpreting these things, actually. Uh, because I don't think that would be wise, because the Lord has a way of surprising us when we start to hold too closely to a personal view. Um, we just continue to seek Him and continue to seek His Word to sharpen our view as much as He's gracefully uh, uh, able to allow it for us. Uh, some people, He's really given a gift of insight into some of these end, end times. In fact, the book of Revelation itself promises, like no other book in the Bible, a blessing to anyone who reads it, okay? I've read it. I still don't understand it as much as I'd like to, but there's a blessing in it, so I know whether I can realize it or not or, or experience it or not in my own mind. There's a blessing in it. So for that reason alone, I'll keep reading that book of Revelation. Um, but... Uh, I, I just haven't gotten some of the insights that God has given and gifted other people's uh, other people into that particular work of apocalyptic nature, which is very symbolic sometimes, and it seems to me almost mystical in some things. But the, the more I read it, I'm promised a blessing, so I encourage people to do that. Well, okay? I appreciate the I honesty and openness. That I'm kind of in the same boat there with trying to understand things that are so deep and asking God to reveal them and the struggle yeah. I've been having and that's kind of forced yeah. me into this study is that so there's so many who are very dogmatic about the minute details of these things and so you almost feel like cornered. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. I'd recommend the but thank you. Part is that the wick, wick, wicked or the good are taken first on CARM and I think you'll enjoy some of the uh, scriptures that and the and the, the the chain of events has followed according to scripture in that article. So, but thanks for the call. I appreciate that so much. Bye bye. Excellent call. Uh, I wish I was one of those people that had uh, insight, more insight uh, into the end times. Uh, I pray that God will give me more insight as time goes by. Uh, we have another uh, question here that uh, seems pretty important. It's from Luke. And go ahead. I hope I brought you on the air there, Luke. Are you with us? 
Hello? Hi. Hi, Luke. Hello? You're on Matt Slick Live. Yes. Hi. Hi, this is Luke. Thank you for taking my call. My question is um, <laughs> regarding Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church. Uh, Oriental Orthodox Church has one Mass in a Sunday, but Catholic Church, they have a couple of Masses on Sunday. What is the reason for that? They have one Eucharist a day, but they have multiple Eucharist. Well, they have multiple Masses, and uh, you're saying the Catholics have multiple Masses and the Orthodox have one on the Lord's Day? Is that what... Yes. Okay. Well, the Catholics have Masses throughout the day, uh, not just the Lord's Day. They have morning Mass, they have evening Mass, they have special Masses that they uh, they have uh, for uh, uh, to celebrate uh, events in the religious calendar. Some uh, they set they have Masses for certain days that are. Uh, named in uh, memorial to certain saints and things like that. Uh, the Orthodox Church, uh, they have Masses uh, similar to the Catholic Church Masses in that uh, some of their uh, beliefs are, um, are closely joined and even identical in, in some fashion, uh, but then uh, there's other things that they uh, obviously uh, don't accept about each other. One group has anathematized the other, and they've, they've anathematized them back, and uh, so forth. Although there's been an ecumenical movement to try to join the, uh, the, the Orthodox communion and the Catholic communion uh, closer together again, and we don't know how that's going to work out. The thing is, in both communions, the Orthodox and the Catholic, they've introduced a lot of uh, works righteousness uh, requirements. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi, this is Charlie Spine, back with you. I I, I didn't um, notice the break snuck up on me there, Luke, uh, and hopefully uh, I started to answer your question, but um, referring to the Orthodox Church as compared to the Catholic Church, uh, the the things I find uh, concerning about both of them in common is that both claim to be the only true church on earth. In fact, my my family uh, have a large contingent in my family. Oh, I have a large contingent in my family, Luke, that uh, are Orthodox, and they they assure me that outside the, the Orthodox Church, there is no salvation. And I was assured of the same thing when I was growing up as a Roman Catholic. So these, these kinds of exclusive claims are not uncommon. I mean, the, the Mormon Church teaches that. The Jehovah's Witnesses Church teaches that. A lot of errant and aberrant uh, movements of a religious nature claim that. Whereas uh, that's a red flag to me. It's also a red flag for me to say that, uh, as the Orthodox do, that I can become uh, absorbed into the essence and power of what God is. It's called theosis or deification. Uh, I don't have a, 
any comfortable way of looking at my being absorbed into the essence of what God is. I'll forever be a creature of God, and He will ever uh, be my creator. I also don't have uh, any idea of how the uh, the toll booths are supposed to work in orthodoxy. After my death, I have to meet certain requirements and answer certain questions along the way in order to finally make my way into heaven. These kinds of things are baggage that doesn't belong in a Christian um, uh, in a Christian movement. Okay, these are extra biblical things that I believe if people become uh, uh, convinced that they must adhere to, then they're adhering to something that's uh, spiritually dangerous and can lead them into spiritual trouble. And therefore, I warn them against that. And instead of going to the priest for forgiveness and absolution of sins, Jesus Christ himself invites us to come to him personally and ask us and ask him for forgiveness of sin with a contrite heart and with sincerity. And he says he will do that. So the priests in Orthodoxy and in Roman Catholicism are playing a role. uh, I don't want to be insulting and say they're pretending to a role, but that's the role of Jesus Christ, who we're told in Hebrews is our priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, and he held, he holds that priesthood inviolate forever by virtue of an indestructible life. So my priest is Jesus, uh, and that's the one I bring my cares to. That's the one I bring my uh, my uh, prayers and my worship and my humble uh, uh, request for forgiveness. Uh, the other priests here on earth uh, who require to be called Father is uh, problematic as well. Uh, no, uh, my, my Father in Heaven is God the Father, my priest in Heaven, uh, who, who experienced a sinless, perfect life for me on earth is Jesus Christ. And I answer to His invitation uh, through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, I, I respond to his invitation to come to him as my priest, uh, who lives forever to intercede for me. So I hope that, I hope that helps uh, in comparing a couple of things between Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism. And I hope pointing out that error that uh, I believe is a flagrant error, it isn't insulting, or you don't take it the wrong way, because uh, I... I have a great deal of people in my family, both Roman Catholic and Orthodox, that I dearly love and care for, um, and I don't mean to insult you or them by being blunt with uh, uh, my evaluation according to the Word of God. Is that okay? It didn't answer my question. The question is, hello? Yes. Do Orthodox just offer daily Mass? Do Orthodox just offer daily Mass? Because you didn't answer that question. I'm having a hard time understanding you. I'm hearing something about the Mass. Do Orthodox churches offer baby Mass? Baby? Mass for babies? Uh, uh, forget it, forget it. I'm, I'm just sorry, I... I'm just you unable to, to hear that. Do they offer 
I'm sorry. I'm going to have. Hello? I'm going to have to. Can move you hear me now? Having too much. I'm having too much difficulty understanding the question. I'm very sorry. Um, we're going to have to move you on. Are, um, but I. You are not, I apologize. You are not. I am not orthodox. No. No. Thank you so much. Oh, well, I'm sorry, folks. I just didn't have. Um, I couldn't with my audio here, really understand the question. But um, there is another question up. So let me get to that before before we go further. And it's going to be Joshua from Tennessee. Uh, Are you there, Joshua? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I can. Go ahead. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So I was wondering if you believe... Um, in a global flood, um, I do. Um, I believe that there's some geological evidence for this as well. Um, but I was curious on your thoughts, um, if you believe in the global flood or not, why or why not, what evidence do you think supports this? Yes, yes, I, I agree with you. There's more than just some evidence uh, to that uh, conclusion. There's an overwhelming amount of evidence to that conclusion. Uh, When I took geology in college, uh, some of the uh, geologists I spoke to were of the opinion that what we see uh, on on the Earth is a result of an accumulation over millions of years of things. It's called uniformitarianism, that layers and layers and layers of deposits were laid down over a long period of time and that there have been local floods here and there, but that uh, the global flood was something they rejected. Now, their model, uh, from that point of view, would have certain predictions, okay? And when they would look into the evidence, they would try to make the evidence fit their model, uh, even when the predictions didn't hold up. Whereas a worldwide flood model, as was described in the Bible, would give us uh, a model that would predict exactly what we find, and exactly what we find are deposits that are 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 clearly made by a cataclysmic hydraulic event. Okay, we see deposits that were laid down quickly. We see things in those deposits all jumbled around in a uh, in a, uh, uh, a ghastly uh, uh, destructive force. Uh, we, we see um, the evidence of things that, according to the model of the global flood, would fit exactly a hand in glove with the predictions you would have from that point of view. Now, uh, it's not popular among the secular world to say that the global flood happened, but uh, the Lord does uh, give us that historical event as being accurate. Jesus believed in the accuracy of the Old Testament. He gave it his uh, uh, certification or uh, seal of approval, and so we should do no less. Um, Now, you know, there's plenty of organizations. In fact, one hydrologist, one uh, very famous guy was uh, Dr. Henry Morris, who him and uh, John Wickham established the Institute of Creation Research. And the evidence for um, the Noah's flood is massive there. 
the uh, Answers in Genesis Ministries has so many articles that compare the two views together and give evidence uh, for the global flood on a massive basis. They've got so many good articles that point to all the particular issues having to do with Noah's flood and the predictions and the and uh, of the models opposed to each other that uh, from the secular to the divine, as it were. Uh, Peter thought uh, in, in uh, the New Testament uh, when he said that some men have uh, apparently thought that uh, things have gone on uh, as always from the first of time. And he says, but it's not so. Uh, and Peter believed in a worldwide flood as well. So uh, the fact that some uh, Christians don't is uh, maybe because they haven't looked at the the models and the, the resulting predictions and uh, how those models and predictions fit the actual evidence that we find. The evidence for a global flood is just overwhelming. Deposits of things, I could mention, as a matter of fact, before the end of the show, uh, there's a place in uh, south of the uh, equator, in the region of uh, Australia or uh, New Zealand, they have an entire beach with uh, a fossilized remains I mean, these are hard remains for as far as you can see standing on that beach of jellyfish. Okay, well, jellyfish don't sit on a beach and uh, and stay there long enough to become fossils. I grew up in Huntington Beach, California. Plenty of jellyfish would wa- wash up on the shore. And believe me, once they get down, up on shore, they, they're rather, uh, <laughs> their nature is somewhat uh, almost liquid. And they they deteriorate within that day, very shortly uh, within that day. Uh, so this evidence of the soft creatures that have no hard uh, uh, bone structure being fossilized it, it give evidence to a rapid event, a rapid event that takes place. So I hope that helps, um, uh, in my view anyway, of the uh, geological evidence for uh, Noah's flood. Uh, and those two organizations I mentioned are excellent resources uh, to get evidence of that, good scientific evidence from people with PhDs, with terminal degrees, um, who know what they're talking about. Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, that is helpful. Um, uh, I heard you say, um, uh, what was the first organization you mentioned? I didn't catch it. it, it it's called the Institute for Creation Research, ICR. They're in Texas now. They used to, they established themselves earlier in California, but have now moved their uh, ministry to Texas. And the Ministry of Answers in Genesis, they've moved up into Kentucky, just just south of Ohio. And both are superb resources for the uh, evidence of Noah's flood. All right. Yeah, it does help. Uh, I actually agree with the thing um, that you said. Um, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, um, whenever I see something, because I, I was an atheist, um, and I believed in all the mainstream science. I've been a Christian for two years. And Yep, well, mainstream science, Whenever I see something that seems far-fetched... Yeah, I'd say, well, what I was saying is science, mainstream science has uh, actually 
had to adjust their positions every so often, whereas the Word of God doesn't have to adjust to anything. So, Another program powered by the Truth Network.